West Brom have won a game. I repeat, West Brom have won a game and this is not a drill. Welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast sponsored by Adoption at Heart. My name's Johnny Drury and as ever I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, friend and Baggies correspondent Joe Massey and the uh, the mood on this podcast is going to be a lot different to what it has been in recent weeks. Now Joe, over the last few months we've been accused of trying to be too positive when it's been uh, the times have been dark and it's been low. And we've been accused of trying to look for some light when it's not there. But I think uh, after Saturday's performance and certainly result, there's a bit more light and a bit more positivity to this podcast today. Yeah, well, hopefully, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, look, we're not gonna we're not gonna hide away from the last three months still because let's be honest, Albion have been utterly atrocious, and we're not gonna let one win um, against let's be honest, a very poor whole side. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, just gloss over everything that's gone on in the last couple of months because Albion are in a mess we started, we wrote that in the build up to the whole game stand by it um, but yeah I mean the difference is absolutely I mean it's, football is it, I mean it's a funny old game what a cliche but in terms of I mean there isn't anyone I don't believe or listen to this podcast that after we beat Hull on Saturday didn't just have a sneaky look at the table and went six points Six points, maybe, maybe um, we could do this, which is just sums up football, really, doesn't it? And it's like craziness because, I mean, we have been absolutely woeful um, for three months. The statistic was before the whole game, if you'd started the season after that day, we'd, after the 10-game unbeaten run, obviously we started the season with 10-game unbeaten run, then we lost at Stoke. If you started that season, basically started the season on the day we played Stoke, Albion would have been twentieth in the Championship table, five points above the drop zone. Um, I mean, you would have been seriously, seriously worried um, about retaining Championship status. So the fact that now we've all got a bit of a spring in our step um, because we've managed to beat Hull is 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 is, is kind of funny, really. But, But 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 it has to be said. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of reason for optimism following that whole performance. I think so many positives that we'll get into. I'm sure, um, but yeah, it's nice to it's just nice, isn't it, mate? I'm pleased for you. Your atrocious record. We'll t- um, I, uh, we'll touch on the record. I've got a good spin on the record that I'm oh, going to yeah. put out later. Um, I mean, but I've got a positive spin on that record, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like you said, you know we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we want to enjoy a win because there hasn't been too many in recent months, and I'm sure the Albion fans enjoyed their weekend, um, and hopefully they'll enjoy our action-packed episode today. Um, just a couple of points to start with, um, and Joe, me and Joe spoke about this after Saturday's game, and West Brom fans have sort of noticed, or some would have become accustomed to, I know Joe has because he loves them. Um, I drop a little pun in after every post-match video, but... I just couldn't come up with one at Hull. I think I was just so overexcited that I'd seen a win after my awful record that I just couldn't come up with one. Um, and Joe, is ever the, with ever his wisdom after the game, said it's puns over points. So it might be a... No, points might, over puns, man. Points over puns, oh, yeah. even, sorry. You're getting too excited again still. It might be the case that I'll have to ditch the puns because we've got some points now. But uh, but on, on that note, I just want to give a shout-out to an Albion fan who's been getting in touch quite a lot with his uh, with his puns, uh, a guy called Connor Shawell. Um, and he sent quite a few in in recent weeks that we haven't sort of used. And he's got he sent us a great one in, which I'm going to use as the name of the pod today. And he's put, that was a hull of a lot better. So just a shout-out to Connor. He always sends good ones in. 
So we're going to use that one there. Uh, oh, I didn't realise you were one stealing someone else's work. My, I haven't before, but I am today, just because that's uh, that's so good. Um, but yeah, I'll have to come up with some. So I have to perform a lot better than I did on Saturday in the coming weeks. You're um, for Saturday, mate. We're just we're just happy on Saturday, aren't we? Yeah, just happy. Yeah. Just happy, mate. But um, but yeah, and also as Joe has touched on there, my record, which Joe has, even though it's been terrible, I know Joe has taken a little bit of pleasure out of pointing out my terrible record for the Shropshire Star and the Express and Star, as has my colleague Nathan Judah. Um, I think before Swansea, I think we said it was one win in 23 games or something ridiculous. You've seen one win in 23 games? Yeah, something like that before Swansea. Obviously, I wasn't at Swansea last week, so if West Brom would have won, then we'd have known who the culprit was, really, who to, who to voice your anger oh, you're at. clinging to that anger. Yeah, but didn't, that didn't happen. I come back and they win, so maybe it was just I needed to, to go away for West Brom to hit rock bottom to come back and for them to start winning there's an alternative view for you that could be the case I'm sure it's not it's um, funny because I thought the curse had been lifted when I saw Shrewsbury had won 2-0 at Burton because I thought you'd gone to that game I know yeah but then you texted <laughs> me and said actually you made <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully the curse is lifted now I really hope it is fingers um, crossed fingers crossed and just one final shout out uh, me and Joe we're speaking about this Albion fan. We're speaking speaking about doing something for a while, sort of a fan of the week section. We always have, you know, fans who get in touch all the time. Um, we're going to start it hopefully in the next couple of months. But after the game on Saturday, there's a every, well after every game, there's one fan, Mary Wilson, who gets in touch every week, and she's always got something positive to say. She always enjoys the post match videos, even if Albion have lost and been awful. Um, and we were in the car on Saturday, and we thought, I bet Mary will get in touch today. She'll be a bit more positive. Lo and behold, a few hours later, she got in touch, and she was delighted to see some smiles on faces and, and, and an Albion win. So uh, cheers for that, Mary. And, and just she's going to be our impromptu fan of the week this week. We'll start a, um, a regular slot um, in the coming months. But yeah, round of applause for Mary. She's always uh, always getting in touch with positive messages and she had something to, to really shout about on Saturday after the game. Mary is the best. I absolutely love her. I've talked about her on the podcast before with Luke when he did it. And we will do fun of the week. But basically, whoever wins fun of the week, you're basically the second best fun of the week because Mary Wilson will always be fun of the week. <laughs> But your second is still good. Second is still good. But Mary will always be number one. Yeah, round of applause for Mary <laughs> if, you're, uh, if you're listening. So, uh, so yeah, there's the uh, the funny parts out of the way. The the old banter section, I suppose, Joe, as it used to be referred yeah. to, the, the bit that you hated. Boing, boing, banter. <laughs> boing, boing, pa- boing, boing, banter section. There you go. There's a new one. Um, on, to the, on, on to Saturday then, really. You know, we went to Hull. I think, I don't think there was a lot of optimism going to Hull, if I'm perfectly honest, Joe. I know sort of we were sort of discussing all the negatives that they'd been in re- recent weeks which was quite justifiable but but just just talking about the game really Albion went into it the, I think the big change was probably the system um, obviously we'll come on to, to personnel changes in a second but Albion referred back to a back three something that's really suited them this season Joe and Matt Clark came back in and arguably he was the best best in that back three and, and it really worked for West Brom and and from Bruce's comments after the game, it looks like that's the, the way they're going to continue to go moving forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think there's, I mean, you said you're going to, we're going to get into personnel um, later in the podcast, but I put out today, I think, I think there's three reasons why we won at Hull. Um, one was the formation, two was Jake Livermore, and three was Taylor Gardner-Hickman. Um, those were the three big decisions, really. Um which is why I think we played so much better. You're completely right to shout out Matt Clark there because he was absolutely sensational on Saturday. He was just, you know, I did my player reigns, I called it a Rolls Royce of a performance, and I think it was. He was just, he was impeccable. He read the game, he made it look easy, didn't he? Um, 
he was absolutely superb the way yeah. he read the game. But the formation thing is obviously massive. Everyone knows I love the formation. Um, but I think the, the, the sods were seen really after the Swansea game. Um, and Steve Bruce, very honestly, I thought, um, basically after the Swansea, Swansea was rock bottom for me. Um, I've, said, I've, I've, I've said a million You've times. You've said that a lot this season, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, I said, um, there have been times when I thought it was rock bottom, I didn't think it would go any lower. <laughs> I, I sort of genuinely do believe Swansea was rock bottom. Um, in my opinion, our promotion dreams, dreams, if, they, if it were still dreams at that stage, <laughs> ended that night. Um, and that is me saying, I don't think we're going to go up this season. I don't think that's a shock, is it? I mean, don't, that people, I think everyone deep down in their heart hearts would be massively surprised if we did go up this season, even if it is just six points at this moment in time. But speaking after that game, Bruce admitted um, that it, well, he, he said, I'm going to have to go away and I'm going to have to look at myself and I'm going to have to look at whether I've changed things too quickly. Um, and he said he was reluctant to change and he was reluctant to change when he first came in um, simply because Albion was so embedded into Ishmael's 3-4-3. Now, I do love a formation. I do, I do think where you put players... I do think there's a difference between 3-4-3 and 3-5-2 and 3-4-1-2 or whatever you want to do. But the principles are basically the same with three at the back. Um, you've still got a back three. You've still got two wing backs. And I think Bruce felt that they were... He, the reason why he changed, he said, um, was to a 4-3-3. One was because that's the, his preferred formation. That is the way, ideally, he would like to play. And two, he felt we needed more creativity, more attack and spark. I mean, we weren't scoring goals, were we? Um, we just were not scoring goals. And he felt that would give us more sort of attacking threat. It it didn't work. It just didn't work. 4-3-3 um, does not suit this group of players. Um, should, have, should Bruce have realised that earlier? I think probably yes, if we're being honest. He did, we have to remember he did go 3-5-2 at Luton. Um, and Albion probably should have been 2-0 up at half-time in that game. Certainly should have been 1-0 up with the chance Colin Grant hit again, put against the bar. Um, but yeah, I think you can, you can definitely make a case Bruce should have realised it earlier. But he definitely came away from the Swansea game saying, you know what, these players are embedded into a back three. It's, 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 how, it's what they know. It's what they know. Um, I think we have to. The, the squad is overloaded with centre backs. That, I mean, that's the truth of it. We've got. We still last two at Hull, Darro, Shea, and Cedric Kipper are both on the bench. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that he, he had to change it. I think Connor Townsend and Darnell Furlong are better at, at wing back than they are at full back. Um, there's, there, there is an issue with a three-five-two in this squad. In that, I, I still don't think Carlin Grant and Callum Robinson are central strikers. Um, I can see why people think Grant could be. I can see why Bilic thinks Grant thought Grant could be, and why we spent all the money on him. But I still, for me, they're not. Um, so there's still an issue with the squad in three five two. But um, I think at this moment in time, without a shadow of a doubt, it's the way to go. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. Just to, on another sort of topic, there we spoke. We spoke heavily about Jake Livermore on the way home on Saturday. And we spoke. We referenced him in our in our video. Livermore, someone who's coming in for came in. Oh, sorry, has come in for a lot of flack this season. You know, culminating in that red card against um, against Sheffield United, which led to his four match ban. So we didn't see him until Saturday. Um, but his performance. What we spoke about is a lack of. Le There's been a lack of leadership, hasn't there, in Albion? It's been evident, certainly in the last three weeks and beyond that. 
But one thing for me that stood up was he he drove Albion on Saturday. He it was almost like they needed that leader in there, and he made such a difference to that side. Yeah, he made and um, Livermore's got his critics. And before we carry on, what I would say is Steve Madeley on on the Athletic. Um, travelled we, we travelled to games with. He's a mate of mine. Um, like Joe Chapman, really supposed to be a rival. But there's an excellent piece he did. Um, in the build-up to the whole game, sort of looking behind the scenes at what's gone wrong, yeah. looking at the dressing room, looking at dif- difficult figures. Um, and look, everyone who listens to this podcast will know I'm, I'm a Jake Livermore fan. I think he is a top, top, top bloke. I, I, his disciplinary record makes this very hard to say, but for me, he is, without a shadow of a doubt, he should be captain, he should remain captain. He's very much captain. Um, obviously, his disciplinary record does make that difficult, but if anyone does read Steve Madeley's piece, it just... I think it's important it's not me saying it because I've sort of gone on about Livermore an awful lot on this podcast, but he comes out of that piece very, very well. There's, honestly, that Jake Livermore absolutely cares so much about West Bromwich Albion Football Club. He cares so much about about the club um, and, and, and getting the best out of everyone. And we saw that when Albion went up. I mean, he was literally in tears. Um, tears of relief, really. Um, so look, there's an, there's an issue with Livermore in terms of his disciplinary record. It's been atrocious. Is he the player he was a couple of years ago? Probably not. Well, he's not. He's not. He, he, he's 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 not going. He's never going to get back in the England squad. I think that's fair to say. So he isn't the player he once was, but he is hands down Albion's best midfielder. I think it was really. There's so much to say about Liverpool's performance on Saturday, but the first, the, the main one for me is where he played. He was the deepest of. Albion's three midfielders, um, so he was able to. Well, he's just. He, I think the issue with, with Jake is he's played a lot as a number eight, as a box to box number eight. They want him to press high, use his energy to press high, and I think because he's so high, because he's been so high, often he's got sort of the wrong side of his man. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem to be his position sometimes. I think someone made a comment on uh, on social media, how I think it was under Billich. Yeah, under Billich, they played Livermore further forward than Sawyer's, but it always seemed like it should have been the other way round almost, and that seems to have been the case at times this season. And but when it changed on Saturday, it seemed to work more. Yeah, well, I think the, yeah, the Sawyer's one was Billich wanted a, we were going to dominate the ball in, under Billich in the Championship. We had better players, so Billich just wanted some. He didn't want a holding midfielder in there. He wanted a playmaker, what I call yeah. a deep line playmaker. He wanted someone to get spring attacks going, which Sawyer's is better suited to that than Livermore, but. As a, he was basically playing as a holding midfielder um, on, on Saturday. His role was to win second balls, which he did absolutely brilliantly. His reading of the game was absolutely superb. And then he just p- played it off, played it simple, found, found a teammate that was in a better position, basically, or found a teammate that might be a bit more dangerous on the ball. But everything about his game was, was absolutely superb. But I do think it's a valid point about playing as a number eight. Livermore's got so much energy and he can press high and we've seen him under Val press high and win balls on the edge of the box. You're going to be tempted as a manager to use him there. Um, But most number eights aren't as willing or eager to tackle, I'd say, as Livermore is. And I think by playing further forward, he is often chasing back. Mm. He's the wrong side of his man and he's picking up bookings for it. And I actually think... I just think now this he's actually much better off, so much better off in the role Bruce played him in on Saturday. I think he's 
I think he is a good ball winning midfielder. I think he will be able to. He's he can read the game. He will pick up second balls, and he can just pass it simple. And I think I don't think it's Livermore's fitness levels or the reason why captioned player number eight. But it's just the way the game is now, in terms of how easy it is to pick up yellow cards and red cards, based with his mentality of wanting to tackle. This is what Steve Bruce said on Friday when we saw him. He was like, "This is." This is Jake's instinct. His instinct is to challenge for the ball. He's made a career out of challenging for the ball. And Bruce was saying he signed him as a 23-year-old. And even, that's 10 years ago now. And 10 years ago, it was you could get away with more, let alone 20 years ago. So I think the game's moved on a little bit for Livermore. I think, obviously, Livermore isn't the player he once was. But in that, in that like, is it a six role, would you say? Like, he's, yeah. he's got everything, really. Um, and he is a leader. He he is a real professional person who demands more from his teammates. Um, he's a good egg. He's a good egg. People might not want to believe it, but he's a good egg. And um, he's our best midfielder. And I think in that role, um, he's got a massive role to play for the rest of the season. Massive role. He was one standout. The other one was uh, we're going to save him till till last on our five talking points. We're going to bring him in now just because it's we're talking about midfielders. Fans have been have been calling for more game time for for Taylor Gardner Hickman, whether it's at right wing back, whether it's in central midfield, where he played against Coventry earlier in the season. He was given a shout on on Saturday. I think we were quite surprised. Well, I was quite surprised to see him in there, given sort of the way Steve Bruce has spoke about him in press conferences recently. Um, but he didn't disappoint, did he, Joe? And you know that standard ovation told told it all, really. Yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. A real interesting point though from Steve Bruce afterwards that. Perhaps, I have included in my stories but perhaps it hasn't got I think it might not have got the traction it perhaps warrants is Bruce wanted to play Taylor Gardner-Hickman with Livermore and Moa in midfield um, for their experience now I think we've spoken before Bruce has said before that the vast majority of coaches see Taylor Gardner-Hickman as a right-sided player. He came through the academy as a right-winger, I think. I think he played on the left as well, as a winger, basically. He could play either side. Obviously, Ishmael converted him into a right-wing back. Um, played in midfield. I think the, the concern was, from what I gather, was basically positional sense, where he needs to be at certain times, perhaps a little over-enthusiastic at times. Like, obviously, he's young, he's full of energy, full of legs can get forward really, really well and get high at the pitch, but perhaps he needs to be a little bit more disciplined um, if he's going to play central midfield. These are not these are not criticisms of him. These are these are things that come with time. These are come things that come that play in the role. And while we're all t- while we're all talking about Taylor Garner Hickman playing in central midfield, and I said to you on the video, I absolutely wanted to see him in central midfield. We've got to remember that he hasn't come through the academy as a central midfielder, so it's not like is a raw kid. He's even, in some ways, he's even more raw than a kid from the academy because he hasn't had, I don't know, 100 academy games under his belt in central midfield. He has played wide um, for the academy. And he's only played one, he's only started one game in central midfield this season before Hull and it was Coventry away. And look, he was brilliant that day, got man of the match, um, as everyone knows. But there was definitely some reservations about him playing in central midfield. And, we all knew, the truth is, everyone listening to this podcast knew he was better than the options we had. 
um, watching us labour with a midfield three of Malumbi, Moa and Reach was painful. Um, painful in one game, let alone in, in sort of the three or four games we saw it in. Um, but I thought that was interesting. He just... He, Bruce wanted Moa and Livermore it's almost a bit of a shield, almost. Yeah, yeah, just guidance, just guidance. Yeah. Like Livermore, Livermore is good. Livermore, I mean, we're going crazy about Livermore, but generally in the club, Jake Livermore is the person. When the academy players come up, he's the one who's got his arm around them. He's the one trying to encourage them. He's the one telling them to believe in themselves. That is just his role. That is just what he does. On top of that, he's a vastly experienced central midfielder. Alex Moa, I don't know how many championship games he's got under his belt, but a hell of a lot. Um, I think he's 26 or 27, something like that. So they know what they're doing, don't they? Livermore and Moet. They know exactly what they're doing. And I think that is the reason why Bruce just wanted to wait a little bit. Um, He went for sort of experience, didn't he, with the likes of Reach. Um, Yeah. And he wanted to wait for for Livermore and Moet to be in there to play with Garnham. And he did that and it was, let's let's be honest, the side was completely transformed. Livermore and... Gardner Hickman just just looked more dynamic, didn't it? Almost a bit more, a bit more go about Albion. It was. I mean, there wasn't. What was the game at home? I can't remember which one it was. And it it, it wasn't Swansea. It was before Swansea. We, we basically Blackburn. had nothing from our midfield. Is it Blackburn? Bruce's yeah, first game? it might have been a game you missed. Blackburn, wasn't it? it was, did you miss Blackburn? No, I was there. Miss Swansea. Swansea. It might have been Swansea. I don't know. But the, the midfield was just absolutely like it was. It was giving us nothing. Um, and then you look at on Saturday and. For the, 30, for the first 35 minutes, they absolutely bossed it. They played, played with so much more control. And in the second half, even... I mean, the house getting like a first-minute penalty, but Hull didn't really threaten. There was a moment where Sam Johnston made one really good save from the chap Greaves who gave away the penalty. But other than that, Albion were pretty comfortable, really. Um, there was no doubt they deserved that win. So the midfield was just chalk and cheese. It was just so much better. Um... I think what you've got to say is, um, I can sit here now very, very confident that when we play Huddersfield on Friday, we'll line up in a 3-5-2 and we'll line up with Taylor Garner-Hickman and Jake Livermore in midfield. And yeah. That's because of Steve Bruce. Like He won't... With Ishmael, I absolutely knew Garner-Hickman was coming out the side. Um, I knew he wouldn't play. I, wouldn't, I knew he wouldn't play the next game after Coventry. I knew he wouldn't. Um, whereas with Bruce, I, I just don't think that's the case. I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll upset the apple cart like that. I think he'll absolutely stick with them both. Yeah. Um, which is interesting for Ishmael because obviously that's why he fell out. With Sam Johnston. Sam Johnston felt he should come straight back into the side. Um, and like Taylor Gardner Hickman would have felt like like people have in the past, like that Coventry game, like when Taylor Gardner Hickman had to come out. Um, so, but yeah, very very confident that. Albion will be three five two on Friday, and TGH and Livermore will be alongside Moet in midfield. Front two will probably be Grant and Robinson, like it was on on Saturday. Andy Carroll missed out on Saturday, Joe. You know, although he hasn't got the goals, he's arguably been Albion's best performer in the last three four weeks since he came in. Um, what's your sort of view on him and and where he fits in moving forward now for the rest of the season? Yeah, uh, so. It, this is. Better. I don't want people to think I'm just. I, 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 the God's honest truth is, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. 
it doesn't start for me. I, I wouldn't have picked them for the whole game, and that's the God's honest truth. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying that with um, but like people say, oh, like, you say that now after we won two 0 like that. You can ask people. I genuinely said it before the game. Carroll would not doesn't make my team really. Um, the reason why he doesn't make the team is because he's so immobile, wor- wor- worryingly immobile. Um, and, I, and I don't want to go like his touch is first class, his commitment is first class. In the air, he's first class. Um, he offers so much in those departments, but his his mobility is just gone. He, he, it's just is is nowhere near it in terms of the movement you need from a centre forward, in my opinion. Um, and that's that's purely because of the in, his injury history. Um, but can he offer something moving forward for the rest of the season? We know his sort of aerial abilities and his and his touch. Is he one of them that we can maybe chuck on in the last ten minutes of games when you're looking for a goal that and he might sort of grab you something in the box? I think there's a, I think there's issues with Andy Carroll in terms of not him per se, but I think. Albion's players have been absolutely bereft of confidence. That's been the biggest issue for them. Um, completely bereft of confidence. And when you've got Andy Carroll in the side, you have to, you hit him. It's easy, it's, it's, it's easy to hit him. Um, it's just it's, it's panic stations for someone like Carl Bartley. I don't know, even a midfielder. Like when you've got Callum Robinson and Carlin Grant up front, your options to go long are massively, massively reduced. You just can't do it. It's, it's basically going to come back. Um, you have to play football. Um, and I think that was, a, I personally think it's a really shrewd move by Bruce to drop him because Albion need to learn to play again. Um, and let's be honest, it only takes a couple of passes for a player to start feeling a little bit better about themselves. And once they start moving the ball through the lines a little bit, they will grow in confidence. And there's been, there's been so many comments about how, oh, it's so ironic that on Saturday we putting more crosses than we have basically in, in the last five games combined and Andy Carroll wasn't there to get on the end of them. There's a reason why Andy Carroll wasn't there to get on the end of them. And, it, and it's not necessarily, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the players around him. You look, Andy Carroll naturally takes up quite deep positions. So many times people will have seen him sort of win the ball or win a flick on sort of by the semicircle really if like it. In the opposition's half, as far as away as you can from the semicircle, but touching in that area, what's that, 35 yards from goal probably, yeah. 40 yards from goal, you'll see Andy Carroll in that area, doing well, holding off the ball, shrugging off a defender, finding a teammate. Well, the problem is, if Andy Carroll does that, he cannot then get in the box. He's not quick enough. The ball will be spread out wide, it'll go to another man, a ball will come in the box and Andy Carroll will not be there because he hasn't got the mobility to get there. The ball moves a hell of a lot quicker than a person, especially, bless him, Andy Carroll. Like I, I don't, I don't, I'm not hammering the guy, because I've, I've said so many times in this podcast, I thought, I think, my God, if he, if he hadn't had injuries, I think he could have potentially won a, won, a, won a competition for England. He was that good. I mean, he was, he's a warrior. I mean, he's absolutely world-class in the air, and I don't say that lightly. He's world-class. Um, but there is, there is real issue... With, with Carroll's lack of mobility. Um, so, because he's got so many other strengths, of course he's got a role to play. Um, but it's an impact sub for me. Yeah. Um, and I think, I really like his attitude. I really admire it. I really love how the way he battles for every ball. I really love how hungry he is, how committed he is, how desperate he is to do well. But I think those qualities have made him look better than he is and 
and making him look like he's having more impact than he is. Um, I think you need movement and you need pace and you need other things up there these days. And unfortunately, I'm not sure Andy Carroll gives it to you. Yeah, and just finally, of the five points I've got got written down, I thought, as always, the Albion away fans have been immense. The atmosphere at the Hawthorns has been a bit toxic recently, which is understandable given the given the performances and, and given the results. But it was just seemed such a difference, didn't it, Joe? I kept nudging you every time. Uh, sort of the fans were were shouting, "Brucey, Brucey, give us a wave!" You know, as we said, it's a long time in football. If you just sat there on Monday evening at Swansea, you wouldn't have thought you'd been been hearing that. Uh, uh, at Hull on Saturday, so it was a massive turnaround, and then fans were, were fantastic, weren't they? Yeah, and it was yeah, they were amazing. And look, they had, so, I mean, the I know people didn't go to that game after the Swansea game; they had tickets and they didn't didn't travel up because they were so dis, dis, like despondent after that game. They made the effort; they were rewarded um, with well, the best performance in months, really. Um, and it was nice for Steve Bruce. Like, I mean, his last one as a manager, I think I'm right in saying I could be wrong, was in May last year. Um, didn't win a game obviously with Newcastle this season didn't win any of his first five in charge of Albion and he gets it tough from those Newcastle fans he gets it really 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 tough I think harsh very like harsh in my opinion in terms of he did secure a 12th and 13th place finish I think with Newcastle he did better than Benitez um, but for some reason he's absolutely lauded up there um, so yeah, I mean, look, Bruce loved it. I think, didn't he? Like every time Albion's fans said, "Give us away," he wouldn't. He didn't wait too long to give him away. I think he was very much enjoying it um, on Saturday. But look, understandable after everything that after well, the flack he's got from Newcastle fans and the Newcastle media, it's been. He he deserves that moment. He deserves to enjoy it. Yeah, and where 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 does it leave Albion now, Joe? Because we could, you know, we joked about we were walking out of the ground and. You know, it was just great to see a win, and could this kickstart Albion season? And, and we've been asked that in a lot of questions now. But so you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. But can I, like you said, people will have been looking at the table on Saturday night. After, this is five days after the disaster of Swansea, and thinking, you know, six points—it's not massive. You know, is it a case now of, you know, obviously Albion want to try and have a go at them playoffs. Um, you know, where, where does it leave Albion? Basically, you know, obviously they're six points behind. Um, but it's still not within grasp, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. Well, it's not, is it? I mean, six points isn't... isn't uh, the, the concern is... This, well, there's multiple concerns. We, we know these players are fragile. We know that that they, one win at Hull isn't going to make them feel like world-beaters and all their confidence issues eradicated. We know they're feeling the pressure of performing. Um colour our poor side we can't go from being like absolutely as bad as we've been to like thinking we're going to do it I don't think um, awful lot of teams between us and the playoffs while it is only six points we are 13th um, so we have to overcome a hell of a lot of sides really to get to get into the top six I think look it's a I said on a video with Nathan Judah after a couple after when you were off, Huddersfield are rubbish. They're second on the table, I think, I'm right in saying. Um, we've got them next on Friday. If we win that game, we've got Fulham. We then got Fulham. I, if I'm being honest, I can't say see any way we beat Fulham, even though we're at home. Um if we win them, if they win them two games, I'm hanging my hat up and I'm saying we're going up. If well, we beat them two teams. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. 
if we won those two games, then you really would start. I mean, start to believe, yeah. You'd absolutely. I mean, if we got four points from those games, you'd be absolutely overjoyed. Um, but I think, look, that's what we've got. To, before anyone gets carried away, we've got to remember we've got. If we lose our next two games, it's over, and we've yeah. got first and second. I suppose if they don't get anything on Monday, Hull was for nothing, basically, wasn't it? You know, they have to get, they have to take something from the Huddersfield game. I mean, to be honest, mate, I think we have to beat Huddersfield. Yeah. I can't. I mean, it's not a must-win, but if if you want to stay in the hunt, if you, but for everything, like if you want, if you want the belief, if you want that, if if we really are going to turn the corner, we've got to start winning games. The Fulham one has become a bit of a like no one, no one's going to sort. Of, I don't think anyone would be surprised if we lost that game. Um. Every other game this season is winnable. We've got Bournemouth, of course, but I mean, I, I don't think they're amazing, um, to be honest. So let's get through the next two games. Before anyone gets excited, I'll really get through the next two games and be like, where are we after that? If we get two wins, then we've got every right to get excited. If we've got two defeats, there's no hope. But these are two, like, this, it's just, they're just, if it's gonna, anything's going to happen, these games are absolutely massive. Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the Black Country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sandwell Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support and are looking to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place or, alternatively, you can call 01902 553818. Being an adoptive parent can be challenging, but it also brings great rewards. If you're interested in finding out more, please contact Adoption at Heart today by visiting adoptionatheart.org.uk. Joe's right, they are massive and hopefully Albion can take something from them and, and you know, just five, well, just a few days after the disaster of Swansea, the, the season might still be alive again. Just before we get on to, to questions, I just wanted to have a, a little mention to, to the Albion women yesterday who made history um, playing at the Hawthorns for the first time in front of a crowd of around about 1,800 fans. They won 2-0 goals from Lee Dugmore and, and Evie Gallup. Um, so congratulations to the Albion women. It was great to see, wasn't it, Joe? A superb initiative. Hopefully they'll uh, be playing at the Hawthorns more in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, I'm disappointed in getting there in the end. I, I was hoping to get there, but um, yeah, family commitments when I couldn't and I've got to work this Sunday as well. But yeah, we'll, we'll go to a game soon, definitely. Definitely, the Express and Star will be there. Will be there soon. But congratulations to, to Albion women. It was great to see. Right now, on to questions. Uh, we had plenty, as we always do, um, and we'll go through go through a few of them. Um, go through a few of them now. West Brom fan TV. Um, just a, a little one to, to start with. Do you think the win Saturday could be a turning point in our season? Well, yeah, sort of already touched on it, but yeah, I mean, it could be. Of course, it could be. I, I think it will. I think it will be a turning point in terms of. I think, to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if we played three-five-two every week from now to the end of the season. Um, like Bruce hasn't got a transfer window at the end of the day. Um, I think his options in other areas are limited. He spoke afterwards how he felt like Colin Grant could could potentially be a central striker. He also thinks Grady Dean Garner can play in the role. 
So it covers a lot of bases, really. Um, I think Taylor Carl Hickman is going to be here to stay, pretty much. Um, so I think in terms of formation, in terms of Taylor Carl Hickman, I think Hull is a turning point. Um, the question's being asked is, is it going to be a turning point and we're going to go on six wins and gate crash the playoffs, basically? Win six games. Uh, and I'm just not sure about that, to be honest. Um, I can't get... I can't get I'm, Albion on Saturday, all they had to do was win the game in terms of any win would have done. Literally any win. We could have been battered by Hull for 90 minutes and scraped a 1-0 win from a dodgy corner off somebody's backside and that would have been a good result. Such was our, where we were. Such where we were as, as, as a squad of a group of players completely bereft of confidence. Any win would have been a massive step forward. Saturday was way better than that. Albion played well. They played well. They thoroughly deserved to win. Um, so it's a really good sort of... It's a really, really, really good first step. Um, but it is just a first step, I think. I don't think we can sort of be planning promotion parties based on the whole side, who I think I think next season could be in real trouble. Yeah. Just real, on the- real trouble. On the back of that, another similar question. You baggies at you baggies. This one's for you, Joe. Should I book a hotel ready for London for the playoff final? No, <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Hold your horses. If we get four points from from Huddersfield and Fulham, book one. There you go. Neck Joe's neck on the line there. But until then, don't bother. <laughs> Uh, Leo Watkins, um, we keep hearing that the Championship is a bad league this season, and I do agree, but how does that explain Championship teams performing so well in cup competitions against Premier League opposition? It's an interesting interesting question. That is an interesting question. Um, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I haven't got the answer. I mean, is, I think the FA Cup's weird this season. The magic in, of the cup. I think it's back. Like, I've been, I've sort of, my whole life not been massively interested in the FA Cup. Um, but I've taken an interest in it this year. It feels a bit more magical. It feels like the Cup's sort of, maybe a lot of teams in the Premier League are realising that if they're going to win anything, it's going to be that. And they've got to take it more seriously. Um, it feels good. I like it. I like the fact that um, I'm interested in the FA Cup and it seems to be having a bit of a renaissance and it's, it's coming back. Um, I speak to a lot of people um, about the championship, and the, yeah, I do say it a lot. But the general consensus is it is a really poor league. I think, I mean, you got to look at sort of the t- like Huddersfield. Where did they finish last? I don't know. I don't know where Huddersfield finished last season. I'm not. I'm not knocking the jobs these people have done because Carlos Cobran's obviously done an absolutely fantastic job there. But to go from where Huddersfield finished last season to where they are now is pretty like staggering. The exact same goes for Blackburn. I think Blackburn finished fifteenth last season. Um, I mean, it was only a couple of weeks ago they were they, they were above Bournemouth. I know they had games in hand and stuff, but but so QPR pretty run of the mill side um, last couple of years. Been in the playoff picture pretty much all season, I'd say. There hasn't been a, hasn't been a moment when they came out. And then the next ones are like really interesting. Like, I mean, Middlesbrough sat Neil Warnock because they were were they seventeenth at the time. Yeah, they, they sacked them after the Albion game, didn't they? Or before it? Sick. Yeah. Like Sheffield United sacked Slavisa Jukanovic 
when they were in the bottom half, now they're banging the race for all my promotion. Nottingham Forest were bottom when Steve Cooper mm. took that. So the fact that these clubs have been able to basically get away with a, a really poor start. Um, I mean, they basically didn't start their... I mean, Middlesbrough didn't, basically didn't start for 15 games, and now they're, and now they're sixth. Um, you can... The league is... You just wouldn't have got away with that in years gone by. Fulham are obviously a very good side. Um, but, I mean, last time I were in the Championship, they, that team would have walked this division with, with Fulham, and so would Leeds of that. There's no... I don't know, I'm just not, just not impressed by it, really. Um, and it's a general consensus it's not just me yeah, that thinks that no, it's like a, it a, lot a lot of people, people a lot of people feel that way but yeah magic of the cup I don't know why I don't know why um, but it's not going to change my mind I, I genuinely think this is a poor division um, and a, a, a disastrous season for Albion is finishing anything lower than fourth so we're on for disaster it looks like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next question at Jack Burford eleven. Um, cheers for your question, Jack. Do you think Bruce will continue with us in the next uh, in the next season, or will we let him go at the end of the season if we fail to get promoted? So I think that's a very very fair question because we all know. Look, we were in the situation with Sam Allardyce, eighteen month deal. We basically all knew we had a break clause. We kind of don't know that with Bruce. Um, I would I would be amazed if there isn't. Um, because just that's the way just football works. But we sort of knew it. We knew it was Sam. Like we knew there was. We knew that there was going to be a review at the end of the season. I'm sure there probably will be with Bruce as well. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to everything we're hearing is, and the way he talks, he certainly isn't here for six months. He very much sees it. He doesn't talk like he's he's keeping the seat warm, which. If I'm being honest, I kind of felt Sam Allardyce was like it was. A, it's a very, very different feeling. It, it, it's just a different feeling. Um, it, it's going to be how Albion end the season. I think yeah. if Albion get in the playoffs, then absolutely he's going to stay. To be honest, I, I can't see that happening. But if we, if we end the season strong, if we finish eighth, say a couple of points outside, um, which would be a strong end, you'd imagine from where we are now, he'll stay. Um, I mean, it was. It was looking diff- it was looking difficult for him after the Swansea game. Um, the longer it went on, like it was, but I think he'll t- I I I think I, I think he'll be in charge next season. I think we we will pick up over the last eleven games. I think we'll play three five two. I think we'll be a lot stronger. I think it'll be too late um, for the playoffs. But yeah, I think I think he will be here next season. But yes, it's it's an absolute fair question to ask because of the way football works. Yeah, interesting question. Another one here from from Monk O five WBA. Um, looking ahead to the summer, um, are Albion contractually obliged to sign Mullumby on a permanent deal? Now we know he's on loan till the end of the season. Do we know any more details on that, Joe? They are contractually obliged to sign Mullumby based on a set amount of appearances. We don't know what those appearances are. However, I was told when he arrived that it's a low number. Um, that was highly likely to be triggered. Yeah. Um, so, I think we can safely assume that Jason Malumbi will be an Albion player next season. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I'd imagine that's the way. I don't know. I don't, look. I don't know how. 
where it goes. I think there's a player in Jason Lumbin. I think in a couple of years he'll he'll get he'll get a lot better. He will develop into a, into a decent player. But the problem Albion have got at this moment in time is they they need to refresh the squad so badly yeah. that there's not really any players you're desperate to see and cling on to. Um, with the exception of Daryl DK, Taylor Gardner Hickman, and probably Dara Roche, Connor Townsend, we've resigned to losing Sam Johnston. Um, other than that, no one's going to sort of. I don't think anyone's going to shed any tears if a player leaves. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I think I, I, I would be amazed if we are not contractually obliged to Simon Lumby by yeah. now. I really would. I think that, I think that the clause has probably been triggered. I hope that clears up your question, Monk. Um, The Thursday Throstle, this is an interesting one. Uh, If you could guarantee a truthful answer, what question would you ask Gouch and Lai if you had the chance? On the spot there. Where do you begin? (laughs) Um, Where do you begin? I mean... You'd have to... if If there's one question and you're only guaranteed one answer... I think it would have to be what is the absolute lowest you can afford to sell the club for? What is the absolute minimum you would ex- accept? Um, is he? Yeah, I think that would be the question. You could ask stuff like why did you buy us? Or do you care? But Say if you ask why did you buy them, I think there'll be a logical reason for why. That, yeah. It might not be what fans want to hear. It'll probably be along the lines of I wanted to raise my profile in China. Like it's not going to be like yeah because I've always had a like I've always thought West Bromwich Albion was an amazing football club. But there's probably a logical reason to it. Um, so you don't you wouldn't want to waste it. But yeah, I think what is it is the absolute lowest you would sell for. What are Albion on the market for? Because they are on the market. Anyone who says it, like, there's, there's been a few rumours that they're not on the market, but every club's on the market, really. Um, for the right price, I suppose, aren't they? It's like everyone's house is on the market, isn't it? If, everyone, yeah. if someone knocked on your door and said, I'll give you 50 grand more than what it's worth, everyone would sell it. So, But what would he, what would he go for? Because um, unfortunately, I won't change my mind. I think it's, impo- I think it's important that Lai's taken a more hands-on role. Um, but... And it's shown a lot more interest, but in my head, Album will be better off without him than they are with him. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. That is from the. Uh, who was that question from there? The Thursday Throstle. Um, another another one here from Jack Stace. Uh, I thought it was quite an interesting one to get your view on, Joe. Um, as journalists, how has it felt to cover West Brom and the fan base over recent weeks before the win on Saturday when the club atmosphere is so low? Does it impact on. How you report, or even your personal morale going into games. He's also uh, he's also uh, mentioned ha- as how was Hatfield's big move to Albion been cursing our season? I've got to take some responsibility for that one, uh, Jack. Coming the other way, um, he's, he's topped it off by saying thanks, guys. Love the pod. Um, so yeah, I, that, probably an inter- interesting and different angle there, Joe. You know, how, how has the the run impacted? Sort of not the way you report, but how you go into games personally, and then. The morale's been low in the fan base and the players, and it's probably been quite low in the press box, to be honest. Yeah, as yeah, I mean, like I said on the podcast last time we did, you were hilarious at like, was it whatever game you're at, where you're just absolutely gone. Blackburn at home after like half an hour, I just gone. You're after gone. being, uh, 
Joe turned to the other reporters and said, if he's gone, <laughs> we're all... I won't repeat the expletives, but um, yeah. As you, you all know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the most half-full, optimistic Albion fan, but even I'd gone then. And in the context, like you just got a job where you cover Albion, like yeah. like a dream job. You love Albion. <laughs> you're an optimistic supporter anyway, and you were just sat there like this is absolutely, um, and you've gone, bless you. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's been re- it's been really like it's been horrible. Like there's no other way to say it. You just I always tell I've told the story so not maybe not not on the podcast, but I always say this. I can remember. Me and Joe Chapman from the Birmingham Mail, we walked away from the Bristol City win a couple of years ago when Livermore was absolutely immense. And the Slavon Bilic, I think we won three now. Can't, can't remember, but we battered there. It was brilliant. We were brilliant. Um, and we came away and it was like, we've got so much work to do. Like, it's like loads of work to do. It's going to go into our Sunday. We're going to be working half a Sunday, even though we won't get a day off for it. Um, Got a long journey home, and it was just an absolute privilege to have been there. It was so... We were both just absolutely buzzing to be able to go to that game, to be able to watch it, to be able to then speak to Slum Village afterwards, to speak to a player afterwards. We were just... It was the best feeling. Like, it was just lovely. It was so good. Um, and then, like, the last couple of weeks has just been, like, the absolute opposite. It's just been... It's been diff. It's been right. difficult. It's one of them, isn't it? When you go into games, you know the amount of times I've sat there, Middlesbrough probably, and certainly on Saturday, and seen heard the fans singing and thinking, you, you that's the the moments you do take your hat off to fans because we're there. You know we're paid is our job, isn't it? At the end of the day, but even yeah, we yeah. get even our morale gets low. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah, and that's like it's a massive. Day. I mean, I never. I you can't compare us to fans really because. We do get a day off in the week for going on Saturday. It's not our day off. We're not spending our money to go to the game. We're not spending on travel. And it costs a lot of money. Like, a lot of money, particularly to go to away games. It's damn expensive. Um, and takes up a lot of time. And look, don't get me wrong, everyone has a laugh, doesn't they? Everyone's, most of them are having a beer and you're out with your family and you have a great time. But, I mean, the performances and the results have been that bad that just utterly deflating. And you just don't know... Yeah, it's just horrible. I mean, I... Been, like I said before, like I've been staying, staying off social media, really putting up, putting out tweets and just ignoring the responses, not looking at all, which is not not what I want to do. But mm. I just because people turn on us, like you're not asking the questions, you're not asking enough. Do you got to ask some tough? Do you got to ask him this, that, and the other? Yeah, and it was like the the example at QPR, wasn't it? Outside the ground when I went to interview fans, and, and it is difficult interviewing fans week after week after week when you're losing. And you do get, there are some great fans out there who give you some great comments and, and the majority are, are fantastic. But at QPR, I had a sort of fan come up to me in my face saying, why are you not asking this, this and that and the other? And, you know, he's not frustrated at me, he's frustrated at the team and it just boils over. And I think I think it does get difficult at times, doesn't it? When, uh, you know, when fans are, are probably voicing their anger in the wrong place almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's understandable. Everyone's just frustrated. But yeah, it's been... It's not been great. It's not. It's not been like. It's not. Yeah. It's not been enjoyable. But it's not been enjoyable for anyone, has it? No. Absolutely. But Good hopefully, qu- we're out. We're out, out. Hopefully, we're out the worst to it. We've got to be out the worst to it, haven't we? Got to be. We can't go back to that. But that's a, a very good question. Thanks very much for for sending that one in. We'll just do a couple more. Um, Tom, uh, Baggy's Tom one who gets in touch quite a lot. Um, 
any indication on what players could be released in the summer? Players that could be part of the squad for next season? I suppose it's probably a little bit too early to to, to tell on that, Joe. Well the, well, the truth is, the issue is I haven't, really haven't got any players out of contract. No. Um, off the top of my head, David Button's out of contract, but I don't think anyone would be disappointed if he stayed. I mean, let's be honest, we're going to lose Sam Johnston. So, Button would be a pretty good contract renewal, if we're honest. Um, other than that, everyone's got long-term deals, which is a massive, massive concern. Andy Carroll's out of contract. Um, I can't think of anyone else. Remain Sawyers is out of contract, but Albion have a year option um, on him. So That is going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on, I suppose, because he's done quite well at Stoke. So that is going to be an interesting one. Um, and other than that, every, it feels like everyone is in contract. And the issue we've then got is, Albion's squad needs refreshing. Whether we're in the Premier League or in the Championship next year, and look, the, the odds are we're going to be in the Championship. We need... Some of these players have just been here too long. It, whether they're good players or not, it needs it needs it needs new blood. It needs a refresh. So, but but is West Brom as good as it gets for a lot of these players? I think it is. I can't see many. There's there's, there's not going to be many clubs who are willing to pay the wages that a lot of these players get elsewhere. So it's going to be very very hard to offload some players who people will want offloading. Um, but yeah, in in terms of the contract situation, there's so few players they can get rid of. Um, so yeah, it's, the, the the job this summer is absolutely massive, absolutely massive, because they're gonna have to wheel and deal. They're gonna have to be creative in the market because someone's gonna have to go. Someone like a Carl Bartley or a Matt Phillips or maybe even a Craig Zingana or Jake Livermore or someone. They're gonna have to. They can't keep persisting with the same players and be able to bring players in so something's going to have to change somewhere um, but it's going to have to be creative I think there's loads of rumours that Bartley's off which is just it's not come from anywhere at all but he's the one maybe I think could be easier to offload in terms of he's playing well Bartley like he's a solid defender he is a, he is a solid defender um, and I think the teams will, will always be in the market for a solid centre half which is what he is he's just 6 or 7 out of 10 every week he's not going to didn't really make any mistakes. He just gets on with the job. Um, so I think maybe there some something could be done. Maybe and that, that 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 isn't saying we need to get rid of Carl Bartley. It's saying we need to refresh our squad. Who are the players that might attract a bit of interest? And I think he is one of them. Because um, other than that, I think we're struggling. Like Sadana Furlong, I can't see much interest in him. Connor Townsend forms dipped drastically. Yeah, it's going to be really, really hard to refresh this squad in the summer, but it needs doing. It really, really needs doing. Big job on their hands. Finally, one more question, hopefully finishing on a positive note. This is from Chris Buckley. Any update on the return of Daryl DK? Um, no. Um, in terms of, I don't really understand it. So he asked about DK last week. Um, and the answer Bruce gave was basically he's going to up his training again this week um, there's been videos out of him running through cones twisting and turning looking good really like doing everything you think all the signs suggested would be close but when he picked up his injury 
Ishmael said, probably after the international break. It doesn't seem like that's changed, to be honest. It seems like that will be... I, can't, I don't know what the first game back is after the international break, but let's have a look. Bear Blues away. I think that's probably 2nd of April. That's probably the most realistic we're going to see. DK, so another yeah. month. Hopefully he'll be there for the for the running. Hopefully Albion might still be in the mix. If they're going to be, they're going to need to get a result on Friday against Huddersfield. So we'll finish on, on that note. Albion back on home turf. Um, Steve Bruce will be hoping he, they can replicate that performance against Hull, against Huddersfield at the Hawthorns on Friday evening. Uh, it's going to be tough, isn't it, Joe? I think we've touched on it. Do you think Bruce will, will stick with an, an unchanged side? It worked at Hull. He'll be hoping it'll work against against the Terriers, I suppose. Yeah, I think he will. I think it will be unchanged. I think I don't. I don't massively know what options he's got. He did give Grady Dean Garner a shout out after the game, um, in terms of sort of sort of implying that he's still very much in his plans, even in this system. So, I think Dean Garner for Robinson potentially could be an option, but I don't think it will happen. I think it will be Robinson and Grant up front. Everywhere, everyone else pretty much picks themselves. I think the, the, the one player being who's. Unlucky to be out is Dara O'Shea, I'd say. Like, I mean, everyone knows how good Dara can be. So, and he's he's very much still the future of the football club. He's going to have a great career. But at this moment in time, Shemi's playing well, which is great to see. He's getting back to his best. I do think Matt Clark. I do think we're such a. I just think we're a better team when Matt Clark plays. I think he has to play for me, and Bartley's going to play every week. So, yeah, I don't see what options he's got. I, can't, I don't see why he'd want to change it really. Um, they they're going to play a three four three three five two again because basically every team in the championship plays three at the back now, bar Fulham and Bournemouth, um, and yeah, it's 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 crazy one. It's an absolute crazy one. You need, I mean they're second in the league. They're on a, I think they're on eleven unbeaten run. They're flying. You look at their team sheet. They got one player, Lewis O'Brien. Right, I'd snap your hand off for him. I'd absolutely snap your hand off for him in central midfield. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Um, Smashing midfield player. If it, if if you could say to me one championship player, pick him up now, put him in Alba inside, it'll be him. Um, I think he's absolutely fantastic. Other than that, you look at the team, you're just like, really? You're second in the table. But I suppose even though the championship is, to quote what you've said, a bad league, you know they have done to get to where they are. You know the management team have done well with with, with what they've got there. You, you probably have to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done, done really well. Like they've done. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm being, over, I'm, I'm hammering them when they've had an absolutely amazing <laughs> season. It's just, it is ridiculous. I've just got to be on my bonnet about them. I, You've like, taken all your Albion frustrations out on other teams, Joe. Yeah, it's like Huddersfield QPR. Like, I just <laughs> can't be doing with it really. Like, I can't. I just can't stand. I can't be it. doing with them teams. Just get them gone. Um, I just don't. Like, if they. If, I, if, it, if the top four, that sounds really awful, but if the top four were us, Fulham, Bournemouth, Chef U, and then it was like QPR, Blackburn, Huddersfield, I'd be talking more positively about them, but it just annoys me they're <laughs> in the spot that I think we should be in. Um, I, just, I just look at it. I, all, I can, all I can think of when I look at Huddersfield's team is how we're not above them. Like It's so bad that we're not above them. Um, so that's all. That, but look, they've they got some. They have done well. You're absolutely right. Lewis O'Brien is a fantastic player. Um, let's have a look at some of their stats. Danny Ward's got 11 goals. He's a top scorer. Sorbra Thomas is the interesting one. He's going to play on the left wing. 
outside of right wing probably left or right but he's got 10 assists he's a good player um, to be fair to him um, Harry Tafolo left wing back watched him in league one good player crossable um, but yeah they got threats obviously they're second in the league <laughs> but yeah I just what can you say about that team I mean just don't it shouldn't fill you with any fear really but then obviously they're flying so what do I know there you go. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you see Joe Massey getting hounded by a load of Huddersfield Town fans on Friday, just give him a hand. Or, Joe, my advice is take a tin hat, because if anyone hears that any Huddersfield Town fans hear this, they'll be they'll be gunning for you. Um, but, yeah, thank you very much for, for listening to the latest episode of the Baggies Broadcast. It's been so nice to have a bit more positivity anyway. We're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves, but if Albion can get a win on Friday, who knows? So, again, thank you very much for listening. We'll probably be back after Fulham next Tuesday, just given our, our schedules. Hopefully, we'll be talking about two fantastic results and, and Albion kickstarting their season. So, again, thanks for listening. It's a goodbye from me, and it's a goodbye from Joe. Goodbye.